Hello and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, where a podcast is dedicated to encouraging and equipping parents as well as children's workers and even pastors to, to disciple the children that God has put under their spiritual care and influence. Uh, we want to further the conversation about what we believe, that's our theology, how it affects how we parent, how we minister, how we teach, and how we live. Now, as always, I'm joined by Pastor Anthony Tresoni. I am the uh, effective April 22nd of this year. I family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. All right. Yeah, Tony is taking his talents down to a new church. Uh, so how many kids are going to get saved, Tony? Not one, not two, not three? <laughs> Exactly, yeah. So hundreds of thousands, of course. So. Hundreds of thousands. But, uh, well, I, that, that would be a blessing. Uh, and I, I'm Ben Palaz. I'm the Family and Children's Discipleship Pastor at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia. Um, we've got a special guest today who's also in transition. I'm, I'm the only one that's that's not. I mean, I may be moving offices soon, but um, that's about it. So but we've got uh, with us Peter Witkowski today. And Peter, we want to get to know you in uh, just a minute. But um Peter is the associate pastor of preschool and children currently at First Baptist Church in Eastman, Georgia. So he's kind of close to me, um, but he's going to be transitioning to the role of senior pastor. Is it Amosville? Amosville? It's Amosville, that's correct. Amosville, Virginia. Okay, so he's moving a lot closer to Tony. And so he's uh, going to be the um, the head shepherd there and be preaching God's word. So we're excited for him as he makes that transition. Um now, I know baseball season's getting started, and from what I've seen on your blog, Peter, uh, you're a baseball fan, um, and then uh, Tony and I are both big fans. So, Peter, who, who is your team that you, you pull for? Well, Ben and Anthony, thanks for having me on, on the podcast with you. I'm excited to be here today. Uh, I'm happy and proud to admit that I am a, a Cubs fan. For, for most of my life, uh. that has not threatened anyone. Uh, but that changed back in 2015 when we got good, and then again in uh, 2016 uh, with winning the World Series. So my life uh. is complete in that regard uh, when it comes to sports. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stop recording, man. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> nice. Well, yeah, we, uh, Tony's, he's grew up as a Brewers fan. So that was, you know, that was kind of a bitter spot for him there. Uh-huh. But uh, he's now an Orioles fan. So. Mm-hmm. Um, but we, we were interviewing, I don't know, if, do you know Chap Bettis, or do you know of him? Uh, I'm not real familiar with, with that name. Okay, he's, um, he planted a church up in Rhode Island, he was a pastor there for about 25 years, and anyway, he's, he's authored a book called The Disciple-Making Parent, um, okay. and so he's got, a, yeah. he's got a ministry called The Apollos Project, and um, anyway, we, we had a chance to interview him, and he's from Alabama, but then he moved up to New England, and so he told his kids they, they've got the best of both worlds. They're both Alabama Crimson Tide <laughs> fans and Patriot fans, and everybody hates yeah. them, so, you know. Yeah. And they always win, so, I mean, yeah, exactly. they yeah. Now, I feel like for him, that's worthy of tri- beginning the church discipline process. For, you know, Peter's <laughs> rooting for the Cubs, I, I feel like just go to the last step immediately. <laughs> Well, it does talk about that, and you know, First Timothy with the, the elder, just go to three witnesses, go public, and uh, rebuke him for the benefit of the church. But uh, <laughs> right. But I like no, to say that, today, actually. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> two witnesses and going down. <laughs> that's right. Well, so uh, today we, we want to talk to Peter about um, building relationships in the church versus programs, or, or those two working. Together And, you know, often as a church gets established, what happens is programs start popping up for different interest groups, for different ages, stages, you know, across the lifespan. Uh, and, and Peter wrote an article 
uh, last year on his blog, and we'll, we'll give you that information later, uh, is his programs will not fix our church. And as he puts it, if you're alive, we have something for you. Um, <laughs> we tend to assume that going to attendance at a program equals discipleship and growth. And that's not actually the case, and I think all of us would agree on that. So uh, we want to hear more about that. You know, Peter's kind of hating on the programs, and so, um, you know, we want to talk about that and how churches can end up neglecting relationships. And so um, I'm really looking forward to this conversation myself. But before we get into that, uh, Peter, tell us, uh, you've given us a little insight into who you are, but just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure. Uh, As you mentioned, I'm I'm currently the pastor of preschool and children at First Baptist Eastman here in Eastman, Georgia, and transitioning at the the end of April uh, to go up to Amosville and be their senior pastor, so excited about that. Uh, I'm married to uh, April. Uh, We've been married a little over five years, uh, and we have, uh, well, four kids together. Our firstborn was born prematurely and died a few hours after birth, and then we have uh, Luke, who's with us, and he is uh, soon to be soon to be four, which is hard to imagine. And then we have Lily, who's soon to be two. And then we have another one on the way as well at the beginning of May. So we're, <clears throat> we're I like to say, we're just doing it all. We've gone, we're going to move, yeah. we're going to have a baby, just, just do it all at, <laughs> one, at once. Get a dog too. You know? Yeah. I know all about that moving stuff with uh, around the baby. We, uh, we moved to Maryland with a three-week-old, so... Very, very nice. Yeah. And that was one of those things I talked through with my wife. You want to go before you want to go after. And she's like, let's go before. Uh, And uh, at this point, the baby's all self-contained, which is a little bit nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And just just get it done. So don't have to worry about it getting out of the car seat or anything. That's right. That's right. Just need one seat at this point. Yeah. Changes here in a few weeks. But uh, right now. Yeah. Okay, Tony, you can go. All right. Now, how did you get involved involved in family and children's ministry, Peter? Yeah, well, the story goes back to uh, I was 14. Um, I then uh, college and children's pastor at the Bible Church of Little Rock, Jeff Protz, gave me a call and said, hey, you want to lead uh, the children's ministry or kind of like a Bible study time during one of the uh, care group nights? And I said, sure, you know, I'll be open to do that. He found out I was 14, technically was too young. Uh, but came back to me and said, hey, you know what, there's really no one else to do it, so if you want to do it, uh, go for it. And so with all the wisdom and ingenuity of a 14-year-old, uh, I stepped into that <laughs> and uh, literally sent a kid home with broken glasses my first night. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it wasn't the most smooth uh, transition, uh, but Jeff worked with me and just really got through that process and through the years has just continued to build up that and give me a heart for kids. And more importantly, as, as I've grown older too, just really a heart for the family to see kids walking with the Lord, but also to see parents really discipling and working and training up their kids, uh, because of what I've seen is, you know, you get them for two hours a week, maybe, maybe three or four if you have, um, depending on the length of your service and things, but, you know, they have them all week, and so, really, how do we equip and empower parents? Amen. Praise the Lord. That's awesome. That's great, yeah. Uh, So, were you just a really mature 14-year-old, or did you look very mature, or that he wasn't aware of that? (laughs) Well, uh, you know, I, I grew, I hit six feet when I was 12, and I'm like six one, so uh, I had that going okay. for me. I only grew an inch after that. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I didn't talk a lot, and I know even the proverb says that, you know, a fool seems wise if he doesn't speak, so I think <laughs> I had that going for me as well as a young man. Okay, <laughs> very good. <laughs> 
Well, so Peter, to kind of get into the, the thrust of the article that you wrote, and I think that's not mm-hmm. just an article. It's you know, it, it's something on your heart to to live this out, help your church too. But how can it happen that church programs, and particularly ones that are weighted towards children and youth and even parents, how can those become substitutes for real relationships? And, and w- what might that look like? Yeah, what I think can can happen is often instead of asking, "Hey, are we really getting to know people? Are we really sharing our hearts? Are we really?" Uh, discipling people, it almost becomes more like a punch card, you know, for your favorite restaurant or smoothie place, where you get, you know, hey, you come, and so you punch the card to show that you're you're there, and so you have all these these kids coming to different events, and they're and they're hearing the gospel, and they're they're having fun, hopefully, and and that's that's good, and uh, that's proper. But at the end of the day, you know, do they really know anyone? You know, has anyone really invested in their lives? Does anyone really know what's going on at home? Have there been any real meaningful questions discussed? Any real meaningful uh, time for discipleship and and what I found is people aren't asking those questions, and the large part is because they are going to the program and they are coming to the thing, and so they're not even stopping and thinking, "Hey, I'm actually growing. Are my kids actually growing and maturing?" They're just, "Well, I've come, and the church says to come, and so I'm here, and so obviously everything has to be good." But then you get in the counseling room and you realize, "Man, there's there's just a lot of things that aren't good," uh, mm-hmm. and so that that's been been a lot of it. Uh, is that attendance almost equals discipleship? And, and, and there is a correlation. I'm not. I mean, obviously, you see that in Hebrews 10, but there's there's got to be more to it than just showing up in a building and then walking back out. That's right. Yeah, and, and I mean, my church has been here for over 140 years, and you know, we're we're trying to move away from. We still have programs, um, right? But that that I came and I filled the seat, and so I must be faithful. Um, and, and it's not necessarily that I'm actually becoming more like Jesus, and so just trying to take apart that mindset and, and that's not what scripture calls us to so it's good and i think that that is so important so true you know i think it's so easy for all of us in ministry and even parents to uh treat children like robots <laughs> to treat young people like robots you know uh formulaically you put this this or that ingredient of this or that program in and uh this or that comes out as a result of that but you know people aren't like that people are complicated people are messy and imperfect and uh, you can't just work a simple formula in that way, you know. And, and, and you know, I think what's interesting is, is your emphasis on that kind of relationships as opposed to just programs. Uh, you know, I found even with uh, children, uh, people don't respond to just being taught at, especially mm-hmm. when they're in crisis. You know, when somebody's in a situation uh, of difficulty in their lives, you know, that they might, uh, that to be able to get to the point of a program, get to the point of a lesson, we need to delve deep into what's going on in their lives sometimes. Right, and really have the opportunity to get to know them. I mean, uh, I know you guys are in children's ministry, but I've seen this over and over again. I mean, kids' little their faces light up if you just ask them questions again in an adult manner. But you're going after kids' questions like, "Hey, what's your favorite TV show?" or "What did you, you do this weekend?" or "Yeah, you start what we you know those kind of conversations that can lead to many other things." And but oftentimes, just the way we we program things, we we get rid of that 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 space for those kind of things. Those yeah. where that happens outside of church in the home or at the church, we don't leave time for that. Definitely. Um, yeah. Now, how can church leaders and members in churches try to prevent this slide? Yeah, well, I think a lot of it has to go back to just the scriptural conviction and scriptural heart. Uh, you, you see this in, in Paul all over the all over the place, like in Colossians, First Thessalonians, uh, talking about, "Hey, I want to see people face to face. I want to be with them." And so, there's a sense where, where yes, we're going to have a program. Yes, we're going to teach, but also 
we really want to want to be be with them and be communicating with them, eating with them. You see this with uh, uh, even Third John, where in verses thirteen and fourteen, where John's saying, "Hey, I, I can write a bunch of stuff to you. I can give you kind of a lesson, but I'd actually rather be there and talk with you and, and commune with you." And you can see this with with Jesus and, and Mark. Um, two with thirteen and seventeen, when he's eating with sinners, that this is the heart of it. It extends beyond uh, the formal program, and the formal program is necessary. I mean, we can't have worship without some programming. Uh, but there's a sense where, okay, that's not. It's a huge component of the Christian life, but it's not the Christian life. And I think yeah. oftentimes we assume that. And so I think one of the best things leaders can do is to take a step back and even think through First Timothy three, where it talks about pastors are supposed to be hospitable, which means people in your in your home. And so even as pastors to step back and start modeling that of, hey, you know, instead of spending all their time at church, which is not awful, we're actually going to spend more time at home. And not just to watch football or, or golf or whatever your, your hobby is, <laughs> but but to have people in our home for the purpose of getting to know them and loving them and praying with them and sharing with them. And also for the purpose of them seeing our lives, messy and all. So they see us discipline our kids. They see us, you know, have to deal with the family struggles. Uh, I mean, I, I can think of, yeah, just we've had people in our home, and there's been some things where I, I look at my son, I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, but, uh, and we got to deal with that, you know, in the public eye to some degree. And so it's just good to since do life together and to model that. And, and even that can spark conversations as people see us live our lives. So I feel like that's the first step is for the pastors and the staff to realize, hey, instead of focusing all our time in church, we need, we need focus time in church, but let's focus time on building relationships outside of church and even think through, does our programming, do we have so much programming, we don't actually have time to build these relationships? Uh, and if mm-hmm. that's the case, that's a problem. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. You know, I think an interesting way that I think that's shown to be so true is uh, that in my wife and I's ministry, encouraging <clears throat> some family discipleship. Uh, one of the ways that we've really seen, uh, in a surprising way, that that atmosphere, that uh, catch on, especially with one family, was uh, for that family to, to interact with us in our home and see us actually fail and how we responded when we failed. And, uh, you know, because then it didn't become, you know, a pastor that uh, high and haughty Pastor Tony at this program, you know. But, you know, I'm Tony Tresoni. I'm an imperfect sinner. <laughs> but, you know, this is still true. And this is how we move forward in progress and discipleship of our family, even through when we fail and are imperfect. Yeah. You know, amen to that. And then often just even people seeing us fail not that we should rejoice in failure or sin or anything, <laughs> but when they see that, hopefully see us respond humbly, that eventually can open the door for all other kinds of conversations and, yeah. in, in a good way. Um, yeah, that's that's great. Um, <clears throat> well, so Peter, is a church that's filled with lots of programs, and even ones that actually teach sound doctrine, but it's lacking in rich spiritual friendships of, of burden each, uh, bearing each other's burdens like Galatians 6 talks about, is that a healthy church? Well, I would say it's it's on the spectrum, and it would probably be less healthy than some. Uh, they talk there's in the conversation of ecclesiology and what is a church. You know, there's your essentials, and then there's a church health issue. And so I would say this is not an, an essential issue. You're still a church. You're still you worship God if even if you don't have a lot of that going on. I would say it is a church health issue, and so you're you're not doing. You could be doing better. Um, and, and so I would say that is a point of concern, and, and I think we even see this all across the spectrum in evangelical circles today, whether it's Bill Hybels and uh, Willow Creek or, or even people in more, you know, kind of more uh, 
Young Restless and Reforms movement, like Mark Dever, you, you, you see people cutting back on, on programming uh, because they're realizing, hey, programs in themselves don't really foster yeah. uh, relationships. And, and part of it is is because you can go and you can live great for an hour. I mean, we all can. You know, we can put on <laughs> our hats or our different smiles and we can pretend that we're not moving towards divorce or we can pretend that you know, our drug addict is really not a drug addict for an hour. But if you actually, again, have people in your home, if you're actually doing life together, it's a lot harder to keep, keep those things covered up in, in, in a good way so the church can you can have accountability. And uh, and I think everyone's just kind of finding this out that or rediscovering this, that if you have programs, again, you can hide a lot if you're just going to church for a few hours, uh, whereas yeah. if you're actually in each other's lives. In, in a good way, in a healthy way, there can be great encouragement and accountability there. Mm. Yeah, so true. Yeah. Well, and I think in that kind of way of what you're showing – I think that shows a community that's not just ideological, uh, but intensely practical. And, and I think that not only shows church health, but it's a testament to the gospel. Yeah, you referred to Mark Dever, and I've heard uh, Mark Dever talk about how uh, the church gathered together in, in true community is uh, the greatest testament to the gospel, to the world, you know. And uh, and I think when we do that, as opposed to just program, uh, that uh, making programs, and when we're really real to one another and have true community and, and relationships, we're able to be that beautiful testimony to, of the gospel to the world. Yeah, amen. And and like I said, I don't think programs have to combat that, but often just in, I feel like this is a modern evangelical, almost maybe American or Western problem, or maybe just purely American problem. We've somehow pitted the two against each other, but they're not they're not necessarily that way. No. Now, uh, what's at stake if we have great kids, youth, and even parent-equipping programs that lack those kinds of relationships that we just talked about in the church? I, I think what's at stake is the salvation of the next generation. Um, you see this in Psalm wow. 76, uh, where it says, hey, you go declare. You see this in Deuteronomy 6, it's the parents declaring. And so uh, the Word of God teaching, and not only teaching, but it's very clear in Deuteronomy 6, the parents believe this, obey this, and then the kids see this and then respond to it. Uh, and so I think this is one of the reasons we see whole generations walking away from the church or, or just saying, hey, we're not interested, is because, sure, they've heard they've heard truth, but they've not seen this. They've not been challenged to obey it. I mean, yeah, okay, be nice. Again, you can be nice for the hour or two hours at church, but they're not being challenged in their homes, in their home life. And so uh, I think that's really what's at stake is reaching the next generation here because um, there's very much a real sense where, yeah, I'm opening up my home to, to reach other parents and, and invest in others, but also – yeah, my, my kids are seeing that, and we're living that out together, and they're getting to see, for better or for worse, you know, my faith at, at play. Uh, and I'm, uh, I want to say it's either, uh, I know one theologian mentioned, yeah, we're the first first view of God for our kids, and so um, doing that well, and they're going to do it imperfectly, but doing that well uh, and striving for that, that's, that's I think that's what is at stake, is really the next generation and where they go. I mean, that's a, that's a big claim, but I, I think that there's definitely uh, – a lot of truth behind that and that it's not just a minor issue um, because you know Christianity is more than attending a service or a class here and there um, and it impacts every yeah. you know it, every rock is is turned over it, it is and and I think you see you know it used to be say you know 20 30 years ago or maybe a little bit longer say 40 years ago everyone's like hey we need a cool youth ministry we gotta have the youth pastor to keep the youth and I feel like with children's ministry everyone's like ooh, ooh no we missed when you go even earlier uh, I think some of that's because of Barna studies and other things. That's not bad. We should be focusing on the family. Um, but again, it's an authentic gospel witness, and there's no substitute for that. Um, yeah. and, and there's just no way around that. So. Yeah. yeah, that's I mean, uh, something I've been talking about in our church 
that you can have cool kids programs or youth programs with lights and lasers and you know stimulate their eyes and they're they're dilated but you know if they're not born again they don't have a taste for the things of god once they get old enough to get a driver's license they'll go to places that will entertain them and pure entertainment is not going to keep them in the church no i once had a had a kid um through some evangelistic outreach we we met and uh, he stopped coming to our church and saw him and asked him hey you know why why is that he says well church over here such and such has better snacks so i'm just going there i'm not saying that church is doing anything wrong but this is where sinful hearts go you know they're not evaluating it on the word of god that's taught they're evaluating it on what are you going to give me whether whether snacks and and so yeah you can't compete with that no you just got to preach the gospel so Mm -hmm. right yeah you know i uh I, I do like how you really connect it uh, to the salvation of the next generation and the importance of it. And I do think of Deuteronomy 6, and one of the parts that we don't you know, point out to you know, is that it shows you know, if, you, if you teach in these kind of relational ways, it will, uh, that it may go well for you in the land. And I think ultimately it points mm-hmm. to our, our future promised land. Uh, but that wasn't just you know, uh, that uh, if you sit down with your children for you know, times of, of 10-minute family worship or for the uh, Sunday school lesson and that's it. You know, it was as you walk, as you lie down, as, as you're eating, you know, that as you go about your day. I mean, having those relationships that aren't just relationships for the sake of relationships, but, but true intentional relationships <coughs> of teaching and, and relationships that are tied inherently to what we're teaching our kids. Mm-hmm. So... Peter, uh, why do you think it is the tendency of churches to move more towards programs, uh, developing more or better programs, rather than digging deeper into to real rich relationships? I think the simple answer is it's easy. Uh, there's a sense where I, I know this is true of me. Hey, I can manage getting flyers together. I can manage um, getting some Facebook announcements and Twitter announcements out there. I can manage getting an announcement in the bulletin. Uh, I can manage, you know, getting a speaker or planning an event or getting buses reserved. Uh, but it's a lot harder and a lot more messier and not near as neat mm-hmm. and complete to tackle, you know, people who are having marriage troubles or people who are having depression issues with with their son or people who are uh, really questioning is the Bible really true. That that's a lot harder work and it takes yeah. a lot more time. And, and there's not a time. They often don't get to put a nice bow on it. Sometimes we, <laughs> do, we get to see true repentance quickly and, and it's good. And those are exciting moments. Um, uh, but oftentimes it's just, it's just messy, and so it's it's easy to think, hey, let's just we can deal with all the messiness, which a lot of people even I think wrongfully so see as a distraction, and so mm-hmm. they kind of just like that's just too hard. Whereas again, because I, I know this, because I can do a program on my own strength, but I can't change a soul on my own strength. It's true. I mean, you may put a, a lot of hard work into putting something on, but then it's it's taken care of, it's done, people are happy, uh, and they may exactly. be say, hey, man, that was great, um, mm-hmm. but the other is just. It's people not see it, yeah. People see it, and it's, like you said, it's just done, and you can even look back at it, like, hey, I've done, you know, five plus VBSs. I've done this many. It, you, you can say that, uh, and it's, and it, like I said, I feel like it just appeals to our human nature because we can do it. Again, not that we we have to do it apart from Christ, but we can do it apart from Christ. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Those things are more accessible to us. Yeah. 
I think sometimes that can appeal to my sinful nature and the fact that, you know, I like to have control sometimes. <laughs> ben will tell you that. And, you know, <laughs> There's that element too. There's, yeah. And pro- programs, it's so much easier with, you know, designated, a determined teaching plans. It's so much easier to have that control. <laughs> but you're not going to have control when you have those kind of spontaneous conversations that you didn't expect, whether they're the cra- silly or whether they're the deep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good point. The um, if a church is already in this state, you should have led with that. But anyways, uh, that that's that's just life in a lot of ways, uh, the Christian life. If a church is already in this state, how can leaders help build a culture in which church members move towards each other in relationships, rather than just leaning on programs to do the work of discipleship and maturing to become like Christ? Uh, I, well, Tony, I think the way that that's done is, again, is just the leaders leading out. Uh, and this is something I, I've had to do as well. Uh, I had, I've had good men speak into my life encouraging me to do this. But uh, one thing, I, well, a couple of things I realized a few years into my ministry. One, I had kids. And so I saw, hey, if I'm doing all these events, I'm actually, ironically enough, neglecting my own kids and some of the other mm-hmm. things at home. And not that there's not sacrifices that need to be made, but it's like, okay, is this really worth it? Let's think through this. And then the other thing I started to realize is, okay, I had, there's a limit to what I could, what I could even accomplish. Um, just humanly speaking, I can only do X. Uh, and so is this really the best thing to do? And so God started using those things to really push me and say, hey, you need to start building relationships and start investing in other people. Uh, and so what that looked like is I, I took several couples in our church that were very involved in kids' ministry, faithful, um, gospel witness, loved their kids, were doing a lot of things well in their family. But I pulled them aside, formed a little leadership team. And so we meet every month. Um, we work through a book. Uh, usually we've gone through things like the gospel, um, through the nine marks book called the gospel. We're going through instruments in our redeemer's hand right now. And so just started investing in them and their lives and start, okay, I need to, uh, build these relationships on my own. I need to start doing, not on my own, but, but start doing these things and, and being effective and pursuing them. And so started that. Yeah. And started opening up and trying to be transparent on my own and say, Hey, here are my struggles or here are things I need help with. And just, um, both in the ministry side, inviting them to the process, but also trying to seek to just invest in them scripturally and biblically uh, as well. That's good. That's good, yeah. This, I mean, one of the reasons I was looking forward to this conversation, because uh, I think it is, it is very important just for churches across the board. And, and I've found, I mean, this over this past year, there were some things where I pulled back from, for just some various reasons, pulled back from some relational ministry. Um, there was some structural changes that needed to take place and some some things that wanted to get going. And uh, thank the Lord we were able to do that. And so it was a necessary investment of time, um, but just seeing the need to, to re-engage in that and to find find ways to alter my schedule, priorities, and things like that. And so, right. uh, so already this is you know just sparking things in me. Awesome. Yeah, and thankfully, my church has been really good about that. Uh, I have the freedom to be in the worship service, and so that's encouraging uh, mm-hmm. as well. I know, I know a lot of guys, uh, you guys have ever experienced this personally or even run into people, you know, they don't, and so they're just burning out, you know. Uh, and, yeah. But there's really a sustaining power through hearing the gospel preached, uh, and then mm-hmm. also being with people as well, in that kind of small group community. Yeah. So, uh, in particular, kind of following with that, how can uh, churches, church leaders do that with uh, families that have kids or youth who who likely are already filling their lives with too many activities, uh, and even including church activities, which you know this can sure. be good, um, or that they just have the expectation of having a full calendar. How can they do that in that kind of context? 
Yeah, I think, again, it goes back to leadership and saying, hey, let, let's really think through what we're doing. Uh, let's, in a sense, if we can, let's streamline. If there's, if there's start times that are wonky, if there are things that just, just make life hard for the families coming, let, let's see if we can streamline that. And then also just to think critically, okay, not that all these things are, are bad and there's a good place for them, uh, but do we need to do all these things? Because if you go back to the first Timothy and the second Timothy, Paul makes it very clear. What is essential ministry? It's, it's the preaching of the word. You know, that's how you're going to save yourself and your hearers. It's not it's not through your kids' uh, music ministry. It's not through your kids' Wednesday night ministry. I mean, not that those things are bad, and those things can be venues or, or for preaching the word, but just asking yourself, okay, it, it, you know, are we doing the essential things? And then if there are unessential things, ask yourself, hey, would we actually be a blessing to our people to, to cut this out and to free free people up to intentionally have those relationships. And, and I think you have to be intentional communicating that, too, because if you're just cutting things out to let people go, again, watch TV, play video games, it's honestly, <laughs> you know, that's not the goal. We're not trying to be church light um, in that sense, you know, uh, or not require anything of people, but really having that intentionality to, to go equip people to, hey, go be in your homes, be doing hospitality, be doing, you know, but, but thinking through that, how can we really yeah, change change the culture and, and set that up. Um, I knew I know of one church where you know, they they had this is a, a youth thing, but they had um, the youth basically at, at church doing different events five days a week. I mean, just crazy amount of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so they, they they cut it back and and when they said they did that, the parents actually rejoiced and like they said, hey, we're gonna give you your youth back, and, and we're, we're really well because uh, they're saying, hey, we're telling you to equip your youth, but then we realize they're at church every night, so you're probably not doing devotions if they're you know if they're yeah. here five nights out a week. And mm-hmm. we're repeating that, and so we're gonna we're gonna scale this back, and they did, and it was met with great success. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's that great to hear. Reminds me, uh, our church we had uh, for a while we had Awana and Upward when I came in, and so what okay. it communicated to parents because uh, the same time of the year is that effectively you have to be at the program at the church Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday night, uh, that sometimes Friday night and all day Saturday, in addition to Sunday. And yet we also yeah. want you to do family worship, and yet we want you to build a relationship <laughs> with your kids, and we want you to do all that, and it's not going to happen, you know. And uh, and we communicate an idea. Up at five in the morning or ten, or going doing family worship at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah. Oh, exactly. And you know, and like it or not, you know, people have limited time, and we undermine these relationship building when we mm. uh, become so overly program driven. And you know, and it's okay, you know, it's uh, that it's okay to take a break even from some things. You know, a church I know, uh, love, you know, takes a break from a lot of their uh, evening activities on Wednesdays during the summer and encourages it mm-hmm. as a time of of greater uh, that relationship among the members as well as discipleship from the parents. And and that Amen. there's not nothing unbiblical about that. Now if you did that Sunday mornings I'd have a problem with that. But <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally there. Because I'll have people tell me, oh, I missed Wednesday night. I feel so guilty. I'm like, uh, we missed you, but that's not the church. Sunday mornings is is the church and I'm exactly with you there. Um, mm. And I think even just having that conversation so people know Hey, if I'm if I'm missing Wednesday night to go evangelize, or I'm actually being intentional with my time. It's not, it's not you're not sinning. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I, one thing you mentioned about having devotions at eleven o'clock. I do see one upside to that because if the kids are just really tired, there, there's going to be less fighting and moving around probably. <laughs> well, this um, this I mean, is if your true. kids are anything like mine, but you know. I I don't know. My my yeah, possibly our kids. Yeah. Anyways. Or they could just be so cranky that they're like, you know, <laughs> rolling on the floor. <laughs> they could be, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I could see it either way. 
probably more. <laughs> five o'clock would be our, our end. If we wake them up at five, they'd probably sit there and just be in a day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, now, uh, how can church members uh, help each other in that process? Uh, I think a lot of it is to have that mindset, I'm going to be intentional to ask, ask you questions. Uh, and again, not, not in a gossipy sort of way, again, anything can be twisted by sin, but just that, okay, hey, instead of just saying, hey, how are you doing? If someone seems a little bit upset, you know, pull them aside in, in a loving way and say, hey, you seem really upset or you seem really off. Is everything, is everything okay? You know, or I've been noticing you've just been pulling back a, a lot of late. Or you've just been dropping the kids off the door. You haven't been coming into your Bible study anymore. What, what's going on? And I think it's, that's just the easy way to start, to start that. It, it, it can be really intimidating to start that because you're, you're risking uh, that relationship in the moment. But, but I feel like that's just an easy way to just really, uh, I know Paul David Tripp talks about it, having intentional questions and, 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 and seeking those out for just to love someone and to, to hear their heart. Again, not to judge them, but just to hear, hear, hear their heart. And if you can, speak truth from the scriptures into that. Yeah, and again, leadership feeds into that as leadership models it, you know, for the members. It, it, think, oh, yeah, and I guess that's why I know it can seem intimidating because even as a pastor, it can seem intimidating that the pull. Again, it may be nothing wrong, but just like, hey, I have a heart. God's put this for brother or sister on my heart. I should pull them aside and talk to them real quick and just see how, see how life's going. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I know if it seems seems intimidating to me, not that I'm the bravest of, of men, uh, it can seem intimidating to others as well. Yeah. Well, so Peter, this has been really good conversation just right now for me, uh, and, and I think it will be for uh, those who listen. Um, if people want to find out more or read more of the things you've written, uh, where can they go? Yeah, I, I'd love for them to go uh, visit my blog, uh, WitkowskiBlog.com. So uh, it's just my last name, Witkowski, and then blog, all one word, dot com. Good. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. it. I would say just yeah, you, there's a lot of good material on there, good articles. Um, that and he's not using you know big theological jargon, uh, and so I think you had one on there about children and conversion and baptism and things like that, sort of like a little mini class. Uh, I like yeah. that. <clears throat> well, well, I've enjoyed t- talking with you guys. It's been an encouragement yeah, to me, and just even knowing what your ministries are and. I know Tony's like me and moving and Ben, you're the only stable one of, of us right now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, but this has been good, and I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate well, it. Well, thank you. Thank you for your efforts there, and, and we hope the Lord blesses your ministry as you go up to Virginia and uh, you know you. build the build up the saints and, and bring more people into the kingdom of light. So uh, thanks for being on with us today. Yeah, you. You're welcome, and it's been my pleasure. God bless, brother. Well, if you've enjoyed today's episode, uh, please like it, repost it on social media. You can also subscribe uh, on Stitcher, on uh, SoundCloud, on iTunes. And so uh, that helps to to get it in front of more people to help further that conversation about how what we believe really does affect how we live. And, and we want to see children come to know and to love God. We want to see students do that as well. And so um, just spread the word along and uh, reach out to us you can, on Twitter if you've got comments or questions or you know personal abuse, whatever. Uh, you can find Tony. He's at Anthony Trasoni on Twitter, at Anthony Trasoni. And I'm at Ben Palaz, so uh, we would love to hear from you. And especially some of you international folks. We see that there's some international listeners that, had, that even came about. So, But thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you back next time. God bless. Thank you.